Welcome back for part three of our look at religions. Uh, we're going to try to keep this one uh, short and sweet, looking at the uh, uh, the Chinese philosophies. And I think I said we we're going to look at uh, all three here, and I hope I did, because we are going to look at all three with legalism, Confucianism, and Taoism. Um, and so these come about in the Warring States period. I'm not going to talk too much about that. Just know it was chaos in China because there wasn't a, a central emperor or anything like that, and there's constant fighting. And so these three groups try to try to or these three ideas are, are some of the ways that they try to figure out how to solve the chaos. Um, there were a lot more philosophies at the time, but uh, these are the three that kind of last. And so uh, legalism uh, was founded by a guy named Han Feizi, and uh, he believes that uh, law and order is the best way to bring about. Uh, well, order in, in your empire and to, to end this chaos. So he, he looks at people as uh, they're, they're kind of corrupt, they're evil beings, and uh, that you need just a, a smart leader that can uh, oversee all this and, and really crack the whip on any bad things going on. Um, and so uh, to do this, the leader is going to need to have a strong military to be kind of a police presence. And uh, to that also protects... Um, protects the empire from people coming in, but it also allows him to control the people. Um, and uh, he doesn't really value then, if he values the military a lot, he doesn't value other philosophers, people questioning his ideas uh, because they can't see what he can see and, and can't experience it, uh, as well as merchants are viewed down. And actually, merchants are going to be a consistent thing we see being uh, viewed poorly in China. Uh, Confucianism is going to do that, and, and this will be a constant theme up until to kind of the modern days here. Um, that's starting to change. Uh, but we can see that up until very recently. And then um, this this philosophy will be pretty tough on the people, and they don't like it that much, uh, especially when it's done by Qin Shi Huangdi and the Qin Dynasty. Uh, after that strong uh, leader dies, uh, people immediately rebel against um, his dynasty, and that falls, and uh, the Han Dynasty comes in, and they... Um, follow Confucianism, but if I could, if I could, if you could see air quotes, I would, I would kind of put air quotes there because although, um, they do follow truly Confucianism, but legalism always is working behind the scenes in, in making sure that things are enforced in that. And legalism is what allows the empire to, uh, reform every time because you'll see like the Qin dynasty will come about through, through harsh punishments and things like that to bring everyone in. And we'll see after the Han dynasty, the dynasties fall. In Unit 3 or Era 3, we'll see the legalism come up again in the Sui Dynasty, and then that will allow the Tang and the, the Song Dynasties to, to come about um, after that, to build off of them. So it, it kind of lays a foundation there. It's not the, the, the maybe the true foundation because Confucianism will take over that, but uh, it, it definitely helps that they have these strict laws and this view of this. Now, moving on to the big one. This is uh, Confucianism is the, is the biggest philosophy, the most important philosophy that guides China. Uh, we're going to see it over and over and over again. If you can remember Confucianism uh, during the imperial parts of it, or we have a strong government, uh, you're going to be golden. Um, we'll talk about what happens when, when the dynasties kind of fall apart, because there's another philosophy that takes over then, and that'll be Taoism. So Confucianism, things you need to know here. One, founded by Confucius, uh, and he wrote his book, The Analects, which kind of uh, goes over ancient history books and stuff like that that he saw uh, that then he uses to say this is what should guide us because this is what made the past uh, empires so great, uh, really the Zhao dynasty so great. Um, and uh, his main thing is that uh, it's all about morality uh, and relationships then to show that morality. So uh, the key things... Uh, in the relationship is that the the main one to know is the ki critical one is father to son 
and then that also relates to ruler to subject because the ruler is supposed to be like the father to the subjects who are supposed to be the kids. So you have those two relationships. Then you have uh, husband to wife. So husband is superior to the wife. And you have older sibling to younger sibling. And if it's an older brother um, or if you've got brother siblings, they're always going to be above the, the girl siblings or the, the, the female siblings. And then um, the last relationship there is friend to friend. And so you're kind of equal with your friends. But there's also an element there of you need to respect your elders still. Um, and so if you have a friend that's older, you need to show them a little bit more respect because they have more life experience. And that's that's one of the big things that comes about with Confucianism is about respecting the elders uh, and also respecting your, your parents, especially your father. And so that's called filial piety, uh, a key word to remember here. Um, and uh, this will be the basis for, um, for kind of uh, the Chinese culture. Uh, especially in the area of respecting uh, family members or, or parents. So, and and kind of the the key thing here is, I guess I kind of brought it up, but you can also think of this as, as superior to inferior. So it's elder to, to younger person or uh, male to female, or kind of just in general, you can think of it as superior to inferior. So if you are of equal age to someone, but someone's a higher rank than you, uh, again, you would listen to them um, and, and they would try to show you some respect. Uh, but one thing to remember with the superior relationship there, that doesn't mean you go and beat down on the person and take advantage of them. You're supposed to be caring like a father would be to a son or another child. Um, in in Confucianism's teaching as well, beyond the relationships, he emphasizes education uh, and literature and history and, and understanding these things because it helps us understand the world better and helps people have examples of uh, of this. And you're also supposed to follow a lot of the rituals and ceremonies that have been dictated for, for generations. And we'll see that, again, continue with respecting ancestors and kind of have this ancestor worship. But he doesn't go into really explaining what happens at the end of our lives or anything like that. He says that's not, that's not the right question. How can you concern yourself with that when uh, you can't even live this life to the fullest or, or do the, the proper things here? So uh, he doesn't go into that. Uh, but he really does focus on trying to make the world better through the relationships and uh, another way is getting a, a good high quality bureaucracy and um, he doesn't necessarily do that because he, he dies kind of a, a failure or what he would say is a failure because he was forced to move around the country constantly never really getting adopted by any single um, lord at the time of the warring states but um, his teachings will become the basis for the testing that will go into to for, to become a bureaucrat in the Chinese uh, government. And so we'll see the Han set that up where it's all based on Confucianism. Uh, although the Qin Dynasty did have a bureaucracy, it wasn't wasn't based on Confucianism because they despise Confucianism. Um, what else? The final thing with that uh, is that that education was um, mainly meant for the boys. It's, it's a patriarchal system. And... Um, that anyone could be educated in that and learn it, uh, but primarily it would be the upper classes that would, would actually be able to make it into the government because they could spend the time studying his his ideas. A uh, couple things to uh, know for terms. Uh, when uh, is rationality or scholarship? And Wu, uh, another thing there is to attend to the physical uh, and, and military. And so um, if you're a scholar or you're a bureaucrat, we're trying to attend to the when. If you're a merchant military, um, you're a Wu or a farmer, you'd be there. Um, one other thing to know here is he does raise up bureaucrats as the highest uh, citizens, and he also says farmers are the best and merchants are, are the worst because they just take people's stuff and sell it for profit and don't do anything themselves. Um, 
final things here, final thoughts with uh, Confucianism is um, he does give some guidance on what he thinks emperors should do and that there should be lower taxes, they should be there to protect the people and uh, a source of justice and provide for the people. If they're not doing that, they're not a good emperor, and then that's, he would argue then that they shouldn't be, uh, have the mandate of heaven anymore. Um, now, last philosophy here uh, is we have Taoism, and that's founded by Lao Tzu, and he writes a book called the Tao Te Ching. Um, some people argue whether uh, Lao Tzu was actually a real person, um, but we're just going to say he is for the sake of this class. If not, he, he was a group of people that wrote, and they put that as a pen name. Um, he kind of counters Confucius. His, his ideas actually come before it, but he says you need to focus on nature and getting away from society, where um, Confucius is all about society and getting better relationships in there. Um, the Tao is this eternal force that, or spirit that goes kind of through everything and is in all living things and, and natural things. And, um, by going back to nature, you can see this and experience this and, and kind of recharge. And, um, they call for a simple life. Uh, you want to be in small self-sufficient communities. Uh, you want a small government. He doesn't really uh, advertise or, or say education is really important. Uh, and instead, you should be looking into yourself and understanding yourself. Um, there's kind of a balance between the relationships. He, he's not truly patriarchal or, or matriarchal in any way. It's kind of equal. And that's because you can think of, uh, if you know the symbol, the yin-yang with the, the circle with the white part and the, the, the black part. And you have the two dots and the opposite colors on each side. Um, everything's supposed to be in balance. So you're not supposed to have... Um, one gender above another or one person above another and that's what the yin yang symbol shows and um the one thing to really take away from this i know this is really quick on Taoism, but it it should be kind of uh, hopefully it's all making sense there in this uh but uh the one major thing with with china and viewing this is that you can be both a Taoist and a Confucianist at work or in, in public life. You're probably a Confucianist. When you get home, you kind of follow more Taoism, although with how you kind of run your family and stuff, you might be a little bit more Confucianist and making sure you have those relationships and that filial piety going on. Um, one last thing term to, to leave us off with is one key concept in Taoism uh, is this idea of Wu Wei or going with the flow. And so you're not supposed to fight against things. If you're seeing conflict happening in your life, that means you're fighting against something. So you should find a way um, not really a way to avoid it, but to kind of absorb it and, and, and stop the fighting and, and work your way through it there with that. So um, this this is the philosophy, though, I guess, final thing here. Uh, this would be the philosophy that guides China when there aren't emperors, uh, when the mandate of heaven is, is lost. And uh, this will be what the people turn to as well as uh, we'll see Buddhism uh, will also be a major factor here in that. So next up will be our last our last one on Buddhism and Hinduism.